What is going on, high achievers, and welcome to another episode of the Consistency Wins Podcast. As usual, we're going to let you get right into the interview with our good friend, Brent Bowers. Stay tuned on the back end of this episode, Land and I will be discussing a little bit more of our thoughts. So Brent, I'm glad we could we could make this happen. You and I connected uh, in passing at at the Unblinded event with uh, Sean Callagy, and uh, you you had shared your story a little bit and some of the things you had going on business wise in front of you know probably over 100 100 200 people or so, and um, I, you kind of struck me. And I remember we had passed, we had just like bumped shoulders in in the back room somewhere, and I had, I had connected with you. We sat down and talked a little bit, and I immediately knew I was like, all right, I need to get this guy on the podcast. Brent's a stud. I'm really excited for everybody to to hear your story and and for you to to to, to meet Antonio officially on on the podcast. But but Brent, how's it going, man? Really good. I mean, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a, a quick little cool meeting there. Uh, mostly because it was next to the coffee pot, and I was probably just getting <laughs> some coffee. Um, but no, I remember having a great little conversation with you. I was interested in what you were up to, and uh, glad we finally made this happen. I felt like it was a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. T- sometime in April, I guess at this point. And there's been a lot of back and forth, making sure we could get the schedules schedules going, but I'm glad we could, we could align it. Um, and, and maybe just bring us everybody up to speed kind of on, on what you do today and then how you got there. Yeah. Um, so what do I do today? What I do is I buy and sell land. I've created a, uh, a business around buying and selling land that serves me and my family's or my family and other people's families. And now I'm teaching people how to do it. Um, I literally just got a picture from one of my students uh, that said, or it it was a picture of a check of $5,000. This is a mother of four. And she, her words were, is this real? I am crying. Um, It took her about six months to get this. And she she had kind of a rough go. I feel like anything that could have happened to her happened to her. Um, But that's what I do. I teach people, you know, how to build businesses around land investing that will serve them and their family and others. Um, because I've been able to do it for myself and I've got an amazing team that's, that's, that's running the operation and it allows me to get on podcasts like this and, and serve other people, teach other people about entrepreneurship and building businesses. And I'm no one special, you know, I came from a small town and just kind of figured it out along the way and kept hiring coaches along the way and uh, just turned into a lifestyle business. Love it, man. Now let's rewind because I have to imagine you didn't just go straight into the business world of just selling land. Where did you start? What was the inception for (laughs) Brent Bowers and how were you able to then, you know, understand that this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's, I've always been an entrepreneur, a business person. Um, It started in middle school where you know, the neighbor let me borrow her lawnmower and I mowed her grass and the neighbor's grass. And then my grandfather brought me an old like mower that wasn't running down from, uh, down from Alabama. I was in Florida and me and my dad got that thing running and it turned into a business that was producing, you know, a little over a hundred thousand dollars a year, right. As I was graduating high school and I always wanted a real estate license. 
and to be a real estate investor. So 2007, I got my real estate license and bought that first rental property and bought a few more and started wholesaling and was just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of struggling with that because I was also in the military at the same time, working a ton of hours. And, you know, I just kind of had an epiphany one day. It's like, I need to get out of the military. I'm always gone, always away, always training, always deployed. And I was gone so much, like me and my first wife, our marriage didn't work because I was always gone. And I got married a second time to an amazing woman and we had a kid and I was always gone. <laughs> History is repeating itself. So I remember about 2017 timeframe and I just realized this is it. I'm going to build this business that creates a financial fortress around me and my family that nothing will ever get through. And I can get out of the army and be home when I want to be home, have breakfasts and dinners and all these things with my family. And at that time it was only one child. Um, and I did, I put my head to the, to the, you know, to the ground. Basically I found land was a little easier than doing house transactions. You could build it more of a passive income stream coming in and that's what I did. And I just started buying and selling land, just really cheap, inefficient, raw, not buildable, not accessible, like stuff that was, and I can, I can tell your audience exactly how to do it today on this podcast, but stuff that was just not wanted. And I found a way to buy it at a crazy massive discounts, like pennies on the dollar and turn around and sold these things and just kept building up my cash reserves. That's incredible. Now, I love that you turn uh, that on. I could tell when you want to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's mine and Landon's uh, communication force of like, hey, I'm turning this light on so that now he knows that I want to talk. Um, so I would love to know the process. Let's get into it. You know, what is the process of finding land? Where is it at? You know, what specific? You don't have to go into the specific websites. I guess don't tell us all the secrets. We want people to buy your course, but you know, the whole logistics and from A to B. How do we buy land? No, I mean, I'll tell you. I really don't want, I don't want people buying my course until they've at least done a land deal and made some money. So there's no secrets. Land has been around, I mean, since before we were. So let's just get right into it. I'll give you the exact steps that I took that changed my life, that, that gave me a, a million dollar business and a million dollar lifestyle and time freedom and geography freedom um, and allows me to pretty much choose what I, I literally just got back from a beach run this morning. Um, so I didn't always get to make those choices though. When I was in the military, I was handcuffed to what my, like basically when I was told to be there, which was 6am and when I could leave usually at six or 7pm, if we weren't deployed or training or in the field. So the first thing I did was, so I was already mailing, uh, basically it was what we call it's the tax delinquent list. I was already mailing the houses that were on the tax delinquent list. What is a tax delinquent list? This is a list of properties where people are not paying their back taxes. There, so that tells me there might be some motivation. So obviously they wait a year and then they go a second year. And then a third year in Colorado, it's available for redemption. So basically they can lose the house or the land. So I was already mailing the houses and it takes, it takes a lot of work to go and you know, meet a seller, sit on their couch, establish rapport, figure out why they're looking to sell. And one thing I didn't have was time to do that. I would get one once in a while, but land, it was so much different. So with the houses, you know, you got to kind of establish rapport, but 
I was still searching for answers and I didn't have a lot of time. I was on base at least 12 hours a day and I was still searching for answers on how I can build this, this, this real estate business into earning me enough income to replace my expenses. And at that time, my expenses were probably like $4,800 $4, a month. So it wasn't going to take a lot. So I was like, look, if I could just make $10,000 a month, that will give me the confidence to know that when I get out, I'm still going to be able to afford health insurance for, for this baby that I've got. And we now have another one on the way at this time uh, for my wife. We'll be able to keep the roof over our head. And as a man, like as a provider, like I'm thinking about these things. Um, so I'm still searching for answers, you know, listening to podcasts like the Consistency Win podcast, uh, Wins podcast. And I heard a guy talking about vacant raw land. And I had never, ever heard anybody else talk about land. There's like virtually no competition in land. Like you drive by it every day. There's no, there's no houses on it to rent. There's no houses to rehab and flip. There's no storage units or apartment complexes or mobile home. It's just vacant raw land. How do you make money with that, right? Well, I heard about this guy. Like he's literally buying this stuff for crazy prices, like next to nothing, and selling it overnight and like doubling his money and quadrupling his money sometimes. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm not doing that with houses. I might get one every month or so, and I'm spending a fortune mailing these, these sellers and, and finally getting someone to sell their house to me. So I was like immediately pivoted. I had already had the tax delinquent list. And let me tell your listeners exactly how to get that. You go to the, the county treasurer's office or the tax collector. We call it, we call it the county treasurer in Colorado or the tax collector in Florida. And you want to figure out if your, your state is a tax lien state or a tax deed state. That's going to educate you quite a bit. And you want to know how many years the owner of that land can go without paying those taxes before it gets taken from them via foreclosure. So those are some things you want to educate yourself on that state and reach out to your tax collector, basically your treasurer, whoever is in charge of making sure the property taxes get paid. That's really all you need to find, that person. And then when you get that person on the phone, you might have to show up to that office with donuts, like from Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it takes to get that person and say, hey, I'd like that list of people that are behind on their taxes or have been behind on their taxes for their land. And they might say, well, you know, we don't have just the land specifically, but here's all the property taxes. And then just, okay, is there a legend? Like what? what specifies it for vacant land or mobile home or a single family. And a lot of times they won't have a legend. You literally have to like manually go in there and figure out if uh, it's vacant raw land or not. And one way to figure that out is what is the percentage of improved property? If it's 0%, that means there's, it's land or there might be a dollar amount. And if it's $0, that means it's vacant raw land. So that's like the, the, the number one tip. So now you got the list. Now you need to communicate with this list. And the best way to do it is just send them a letter. Hey, my name is Brent Bowers. I'd like to buy your land. If you're interested in selling it at a fair cash off or fair cash, no hassle, just give me a call or text me. God bless. And let them call in and be prepared to have a conversation. And you don't have to act like you know what you're doing. You could say, look, I'm just getting started in this. I'm an army officer. I'm trying to just, you know, get out of the military. I'm trying to support my family or I'm a nurse or, or whatever. Just be upfront and transparent with people or you're, if you're just getting started because I can't tell you how often that's helped me and served me because who likes a know-it-all, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that tip right there. 
it's a major, major key right there. Just continuing to be authentic, even if you don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> now, you got the land, right? How do you know if you're getting a good, good deal? How can you assess the value of the land? And how do you flip it? Good, good, good question. All right. So Antonio, so I've got the land or I've got, let's just say you call me Antonio and you want to, you are interested in selling your land because you either inherited it or you, you and your wife bought it 20 years ago and you've been paying the back taxes. You're sick of it. Like you're never moving out to Arizona and you'd rather, you know, stay in Wisconsin where it's cool. And you say you want to sell it. I basically ask like, Hey, you know, what would you sell it for? What do you want for it? And most of the time they have no clue. And I actually have to make an offer, which is usually, we call it the anchor price. We want to pull their kite out of the air. Uh, basically, the, they give you their kite price. We're going to give them the anchor price and, and you know, kind of just let's almost meet in the middle or basically I want to pull your price down or, or just get a good deal. So how do you know if you're getting a good deal? You have to compare apples to apples. So that's where you head on over to Zillow.com or redfin.com. And let's just say you're looking at selling me a half acre parcel of land in Apache, Arizona. And I'm just making the zip code up 80946 zip code. I'm going to go to Apache, Arizona on Redfin. Oh, Redfin's not in that area. Darn it. So I'm going to go to Zillow to Apache, Arizona, 80904, that zip code, and figure out what half acre parcels are selling for in that exact zip code. And I'm going to get the average of what's been selling in the last three months. And if there's not a lot of sales, I'm going to go to six months. Like I want to be somewhere where there's land selling. And you might say, well, what if there's no land selling? I probably won't buy it because how do I know what it's worth? Like if, if there's no solds, like I'm probably not going to buy that stuff. And so there's, there's no way to sell it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's how I figure out what is, what, what it is worth. So if the average on average, it's like, okay, $20,000 for a half acre in that zip code. I want to get it for about $10,000 or less. Like I'm going to, I want an asset for less than 50 cents on the dollar. So I'm probably going to, you know, once again, ask the seller again, what they would take for it. What's the least you would take for it. What's the get it done now price. Like if I could get it done today, what would you take? And if they don't give me a price, that's when I drop my anchor. You got into this business heavily back in 2007 and eight, correct? So, yep. 2007, uh, 2008 punched me right in the gut. Uh, yeah. It was rough for me. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so would you mind talking about that timeline from the start all the way through to where the market is today and how it's treating your business today? Oh, you want to hear about my failures? Okay. <laughs> and, and successes, right? <laughs> so, all right, 2007, I hit the ground running, got my real estate license, bought a rental property like immediately. Um, one of the sister agents that brought me into Exit Realty listed a property. I put an offer on it. They accepted it. Um, I got pretty much a 100% loan to value loan. 2008 happens. Um, I had just uh, basically, well, let me back up. So I, I, I pretty much moved to the coast, West Palm Beach, Florida, me and my wife. I transferred my business to my father and I started selling real estate. Well, that's what I planned to start doing. And not a lot was going on in 2008 in my world. Um, I ultimately started driving people around to find them rental properties and I was struggling. I ended up having to pretty much cancel my lease. I called my landlord said, I'm not going to be able to pay. Um, this was an apartment complex. 
and basically they put a judgment on me because I broke lease, moved in with my in-laws um, and my, my wife's my wife at the time really looked up to her grandfather. Um, he introduced me to Jim Rohn, not personally, but through cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really took his advice because he said, you know what, just do a reset. People that have been in the business for 10, 10 or 15 years right now are getting out of this business. And I got it in my head that like, if they're getting out of the business, there's no way I can make it. I've only been in this business one year. So I kind of got quitting in my mind. You know, once you get something in your mind, it's, it's hard, especially when it's quitting. And he's like, look, just, just go back, go into the military, go back to school, do a reset. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So I'm an action taker. So I, I went to the Air Force uh, recruiter. They wouldn't, they wouldn't take me in. So luckily the recruiter's like, look, go next door to the Army. They'll take pretty much anybody. And once again, I said, I, I'm, I'm coachable. So I did. And I'm in basic training in October 2009, uh, then went to another training November, or basically I moved to Germany October 2010, me and my wife and my dog, and I'm deployed by November 2010 for one year in Afghanistan. I'm back for a year, then I deploy again. By this time, it's about 2013. I took from 2009 to 2013 off in real estate until I got back to the United States. The Army pulls me out of Afghanistan on my second tour says, we're going to send you to school to be an officer. That's why I joined the military was to go to school. Um, and I had put in for this packet two years in a row to do active duty green to gold, where they pretty much select about 160 active duty soldiers a year to pay them to go to school. Um, so I'm back in the States, ended up buying a house and house hacked, basically had roommates. Uh, and I was making about $100 a month to live in that house. And guess who's back in real estate? Um, I was, mm. I was living my dream and then I ended up buying another rental property a couple months later, um, and just kept rinsing and repeating. So I kind of started with rentals, then house wholesaling, then stumbled on the Holy grail of passive income through land. So when you say passive income through land, everything we talked about was relatively active. How yeah. did you make it passive? Yeah. Great question. Love your great listening skills. So it was an active business to create a passive income. So a lot of times I was, I was doing like house deals where I would get paid $10,000 assignment fee or a $15,000 assignment fee on a piece of land or a, I'm sorry, on a piece of, on a, basically a piece of paper that I would get under contract. Say I'm buying Landon's house for a hundred. It's worth about 125. I sell it to you, Antonio, for let's just say 115. I keep the difference between a the 115 and the 125 because you're paying 125. Um, so basically I'm getting a $10,000 assignment fee. That's super active as well because every time I leave the closing table with the check, I can start over again. With land, on my second land transaction, I got the property for $500. I bought the land for 500 bucks. I went on Craigslist that night and listed it for 500 down and 400 a month. And I had a buyer the next day. It was like the fastest transaction ever. So that really like changed my paradigm, basically, as Stephen Covey would say, to a passive income model where I would get a monthly paycheck of, of five or of 400 bucks a month. And then the next one I did was 500 a month. And this time I set it up where it went into my bank account. So each time I would like tweak a little thing here or there, and eventually, every time I did a deal, I would be paid for a minimum of five years on that deal, four or 500 a month. 
And now sometimes we're paid six or 12 times a day for land that we've sold. And some of these, some of these seller financing deals, we call them notes because it's basically a promise to pay a promissory note. I'll be paid for the next 30 years. And we've got a little over a hundred of these now paying us every single month. Wow. Going right to the bank account. Wow. Good stuff. Well, I, I appreciate the insight there. Now, where's your focus on scaling? How, how are you going about scaling? What team members are you creating? And you know what needs to happen in the next five years to get to where you want to be? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great conversation. We just had this with my, my team. So right now we are scaling and I do have a team that buy, I have one of my, two of my team members buys the land and I have one team member selling the land. And then I have another team member. She's my virtual assistant. She's in the Philippines and she posts all the land and she does all the due diligence for all the land and gets all like the top 10 questions that all of our buyers ask for the land. And she puts it all over the place, like land century, land.com, our website, you know, vacant land of the free.com places like that. Facebook, Craigslist, that's how we're selling this stuff. Signs. Um, and we were building a buyer's list as we go. So that's the, 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 the motion that we're in to scale this business. So last, well, actually it was yesterday. I was about to say <laughs> last Monday, but uh, it was actually yesterday. We sold a parcel online. Someone went on our website and gave us 1075 down and they're going to pay about 200 a month. Well, what's really cool is I have a land sales specialist and we have two other properties that are right next door in, in Pennsylvania. He called, he wasn't able to sell the other two to the same buyer, but he was able to sell one more. So he added an additional $200 a month by selling that second property. And that buyer had already went online and, and was already going to buy the first one for $200 a month. So we added $400 a month to our passive income or our, our, gross income, I should say, gross income just yesterday. So if we do that twice a week, that's $800 a week. Or if we do it four times a month, eight, 16, 24, that's $3,200 a month. And that's how we scale this thing. So as you guys have scaled, you mentioned two people on the buying side, one on the selling side with a VA. So that's a you know total of what four four people that you've <laughs> added to your team plus you're the fifth, I correct. So yeah. Um what what does that look like as far as when you decided to add someone to the team? What that, you know, for the people out there that are business owners that are kind of a solo shop thinking about adding people to their team, what what's some advice you have to 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 some of our listeners in that space? Yeah, don't don't overthink it because as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, as business owners, we're kind of like, you know, we see the vision and we build it and then we want to move on to the next thing. The problem with us is we're like with me, I'm talking about myself actually. Let's just not even talk about us. It's the problem with me is once I I see something and I build it and I implement it after a, a certain amount of time, I want to go and build something else or improve or scale. And if you're running all this, all you're spinning all the plates or, or doing everything like paying the bills, answering the phone, going and looking the, at the property, taking photos of the property, listing the property, taking all the buyer's calls. And then you got to talk to these sellers, sending out the marketing. You can only do so much for so long and you just get burnt out. You stop or you, you just let a lot of the things fall. Like another thing that I struggled with was, the best hire for, for a lot of real estate companies is 
you got to hire a marketing director or someone that's going to get the marketing out every single week because as you're over here buying these parcels of land and then you're trying to sell the parcels of land you forget one thing oh man i got to keep that 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 land buying machine going i got to keep that marketing going out every single week because you could focus on these two or three deals getting them sold and then you you get them sold you you celebrate and then your phone stopped ringing because mm -hmm. you haven't sent any mail out you haven't done any cold calls or text messages whatever it takes to get the deals in so what i say is as far as hiring someone is do what you do best do which is what you love usually and find other people to help you with the rest like i have an in-house accountant i hate paying bills i hate track by I, I like to look at the numbers like the key key performance indicators but I'm not going to input things in QuickBooks and, you know, do expense reports and profits and losses because I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't charge me up like this stuff charges me up talking to uh -huh. people. Yeah. And that's a major insight into the difference of being a business owner and a business operator. I think, you know, we all start as that business operator, someone who just does everything. And then eventually you transition to where delegating is necessary for growth because now your mind is now clear to focus on higher revenue generating activity. Right. So, you know, like getting your name out here, you're, you're filling that marketing machine by talking about this. Now let's transition to outside of the operation. What are you doing to scale this on the coaching side? And then what else are you doing as an entrepreneur to, you know, diversify within and amongst different businesses and asset classes? Yeah, absolutely. As far as the coaching side, I started a, um, to scale that I started a YouTube channel about a year ago. If you go to YouTube and just search Brent Bowers, I should be all over it. Um, and I'm also a wholesaling ink coach. Uh, I've got the honor to be a wholesaling ink coach. We have the wholesaling ink podcast. Um, and I've had the ability to serve at a little over 310 students now in the last year and a half. And, you know, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them are doing way better than I am with, with, with their land businesses. And, you know, it, it's funny. It's like, I can't even believe that you're able to do this, like to, to be able to make this kind of money um, and have a team help you do it. And, but I look at my students and they're excelling even past my company, which is just phenomenal. Like it's just, it, it really kind of, I don't even know. <laughs> I, it's like so much excitement, but also it's like, makes me want to cry a little bit too, because it's like, just like that awesome. Um, at the same time, like when I got that, that photo this morning from Alana, you know, is this real? Like I'm crying and it's a $5,000 check. And this girl has four children. She's a single mom. Like just being able to have a little bit of an impact. Like when I started this in 2016 and I was broke and scared, like I never, ever knew, like I'm getting goosebumps. I would, I would have the ability to help people out like that and make a, make a, good amount of money doing it with land. Mm -hmm. That's so amazing, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's incredible. And congrats on the success so far. And I have to yeah, imagine you, you, you know, being the high performer that you are, you probably don't even think you've scratched the tip of the iceberg of, of success, right? Success is all relative. Every day I'm pushing. I ran a couple miles today on the beach and I almost made myself throw up. I don't know why I'm running so hard, but it's just what I do. And I, I don't want to stop. And it's not like because I'm a, anything amazing. I just find good people to surround myself with team members. Like, like you asked Landon, like, 
you know, like there's, there's people that are helping me keep driving that ball down the field. Cause if it was all up to me, that ball would have been dropped a long time ago and probably flat in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, and like I said, thank you for so much for sharing. Now, you know, we are nearing towards the end of this podcast. Our podcast is called the Consistency Wins Podcast. I would love to know what consistency means to you and, you know, where does that ring home for you? Well, we just talked about it, you know, consistent in tracking our numbers, our key performance indicators, consistent on sending the mail out every single week. Like my man, I'm about to give one of my best secrets away. Uh, my marketing director called me uh, on like the day before Thanksgiving last year and says, hey, are we sending out mail this week? And I was like, you got to be kidding me, right? Yes, we're sending out mail because everyone thinks like that. Oh, we're not going to send mail on a holiday. What about Christmas and New Year? Are we going to send mail on that day? Dang right we are because you think people don't check their mail on New Year's Day or Christmas or, or, or uh, Thanksgiving and the holidays and birthdays. They're checking their mail because they want to get the Christmas cards and the checks and, and the thankful for you for being my customer. So that's consistency every single week, whether like you're, you have the money in your account or not. Sometimes you just got to you know use American Express. Uncle American Express is what I call them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned the coaching platform, the YouTube channel, the business as a whole. Um, in closing, one, how can our listeners follow you and connect with you? And then two, what are some words of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, it's really easy. Uh, if, you, if you want to connect, head on over to YouTube, search Brent Bowers, or you can you know just go to Go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash land, wholesalinginc.com forward slash land. You know, fill out the form, schedule a call. If we, we like uh, what you have to say, we might even invite you into the Rhino Tribe. Um, but uh, And the Rhino Tribe is how we teach people how to build businesses around land. Awesome. Um, and as far as, you know, words of wisdom is take action. If, if you're not taking action, take it now. Like, just take action like there's so many great podcasts out there like the consistency wins podcast and i'm sure every guest that comes on here has amazing you know gold nuggets like take those make them your own and be consistent about it don't do it just once it's like i can't just mail one person and expect to get a deal i might that'd be really awesome but <laughs> i probably need to mail that person at least nine times and maybe mail a few others as well yeah, that's so amazing. You said it's so simple. Take action, right? Most of us, like people think that we project uh, the confidence of knowing what we're doing, but half the time we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. We're just taking action. That's all it is, right? It's just like, hey, this is something I would think I want to do. Let me just go and then I'll fail and I'll figure it out somehow, right? And then I'll leverage my resources to figure it out even more and then I'll take more action and be consistent in that exact thing. So really well said. Those simple words, just take action. Just do something. Even people at the highest of levels still have no idea what they're doing. They're just action takers. That's it. So if you don't know what you're doing, just, just do something. Doing nothing is an action. So thank you so much, Brett, for coming on. This was awesome. And uh, have a great rest of your day, brother. Thank you. Dude, thank you so much for introducing me to Brent Bowers. That was awesome. Let's let's revert back to how you met him. You know, I, I we we briefly talked about it, but I want to talk a little bit about the relationship 
that we have with Unblinded and how powerful it's been in our rapport building and how you know we've been able to network and connect with more people through the power of influence. Well, it all started with the podcast, right? And everybody yep. knows the story that, that's been listening for a while is how we connected with Rob Gill, who was on about a year and a half ago, which then Rob Gill introduced us to Sean Callagy and the Unblinded community, uh, which is a whole nother can of worms to open. Uh, we definitely need to get somebody in that community on this podcast for sure. But so I, I was at an event about two months ago, right into Brent. Brent had actually spoken up, had a conversation with Chris Crone and Rob Gill's whole team uh, in front of, you know, probably 200, 300 people talked about his business, talked about the things that were going really well, the things he was, he was battling with and struggling with. And, you know, clearly a very successful guy, right. Talking mm-hmm. about uh, good problems to have. And it was, it struck me and, and a lot of chords were, were, were struck uh, just from what he was going through, from what you and I are facing as business owners right now and things like that. So long story short, bump into him in the coffee room, like in the break room outside of the, the event. And uh, we immediately started talking, tell me about his life. And immediately I was like, okay, this guy needs to be on our podcast. Not, not to mention he had mentioned that he was heavily, heavily in the podcasting space as it is. And he actually asked Chris Crone, he said, Hey, and, and Sean Calgie as well. He said, Hey, like I'm doing like three to four podcasts a week. Is that too much? What am I like? My, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And we had a good conversation about, about that side of things too. So I already knew he was a, he had experience coming on a podcast. I already knew he was going to be a, a good guest just from, from that standpoint of experience, but then also just what he's done is so unique. Uh, yeah. so unique. And then yeah. where he, where he came from and where he is now, uh, just another testament to the type of guests we have come on the show, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it's one of the most unique professions that I've ever had the privilege to learn about just, uh, you know, how just shitty land just sitting there can be so profitable. <laughs> it's awesome to see the the machine that he's built, man. It's, it's really cool. And that's one of the cool things about just having a podcast in general, right? Because a lot of times we're at these events or we're meeting people and we always have this agenda on our mind right? And people could smell that shit from a mile away. And it's natural when you first get into business, first get into sales that, you know, you want to bring up what you do, but if you can just come across as genuine and then the podcast becomes a value add, especially for business owners, because you're saying, Hey, I want to promote your stuff right now. Over time, you're going to build relationships with those people, business partnerships, sales, all those stuff are just going to come, but you want to bring value first. And so when we first started the podcast, the initial thing that I thought was like, it, I think it's just better to have a podcast than not have a podcast. It's shaped into you know the crux of everything. Now, in terms of views and profits straight from the podcast, has not been the most exponential growth of our, our you know of our lives and our business. But from the connections that we made through simply just having this podcast, it's changed our lives in the span of two three years, like tenfold, no doubt. Because what you're doing is giving people, as as Sean Callagy would say, a stage and a microphone, a shared experience. And it's, it's that, it's that shared experience and giving someone a platform to, to communicate to that I think all good quality business relationships evolve from, you yep. know, and speaking uh, bull, of uh, bulletproof uh, relationships, now go, yeah, that's it. Absolutely, man. And speaking of Sean, Chris and Rob, they actually just got back from Ukraine, which yeah. is pretty, pretty wild. I was able to watch the videos that Rob was sending over. They raised a million dollars. Um, you know, we, we collectively helped raise a million dollars and they went there boots on the ground to deliver body armor, food, all different resources to these people. And they were, Rob was sending us videos of, you know, some of the buildings that have been bombed in the main capital Kiev that has already been tried to get taken over where there's millions of people. Usually it's dormant. It's just, there's nothing going on. 
So it's crazy when it hits home. You know, I, uh, you know, we had the media buzzing about this stuff and then it, eventually it fades because that's how news cycles operate, but this shit's still going on. It's apparently only going to get worse. And, you know, we'll post some, some links to donate because it's definitely cool when you're able to donate money and see exactly where it's going. That was one of the main takeaways I got from Rob of like, you know, I was just so lazy and wrote a check my entire life just to say that it was something to do. Mm. But really, when you know where the money's going, you know it's going to a good cause and that gets you more inspired to make more money so you can eventually make more impact. That's what it's all about, man. It was cool to watch. You know, he was sending us a lot of videos just standing in in front of buildings that were blown up just, just weeks ago, you know, yeah. bombings. And we live, we live in a world like, uh, you know, we had... We had 9-11, we had the the Iraq-Afghanistan situations that, that recently just kind of fizzled out, I guess. But but we haven't really had true war where it's us against another country with infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? 9-11 was you know, people, at, people being rogue from other countries coming in and doing, doing crazy terroristic type individual things though, right? It wasn't one country's attacking us and we're in war with another country. We haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. And so I, I think it's like you, like to what you had said, just seeing Rob over there, seeing those guys over there doing what they were doing in those in a war zone, literally in a war zone, uh, is pretty eye opening. And and you know I was talking about this earlier today. We're only like three people, three generations away, like so three generations before us, really three to four people before us, like our grandparents, 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 like three to four people were around in the 1700s, 1600s. When we were fighting for our independence, you know, two to three people before us, we were in a civil war, and we've yeah. been in this all this time of peace. Who knows? Who knows what what the future holds in our lifetime? I'm sure we'll see some type of massive war that we that we haven't been able to experience yet. Not that I want to, right? So I hope I hope we I hope I'm wrong, but it's just kind of inevitable based on history. Yeah, know? and and there was a uh, one thing that I tweeted, and I saw I, I stole it from someone that I saw. I was like, pray for pray for peace, but prepare for war, right? It's uh, I think Joe Rogan says it a lot as well. It's like it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, right? So like you don't want to have to fight and all these things, but you should be prepared, right? And that's why I'm I'm just so more dialed in on my fitness, uh, my ability to defend myself and my future family, um, learning how to actually safely use guns um, and all that stuff because eventually it might come to that, and you want to be prepared. You know, like I, I at this point in my life. Well, I would say six months and beyond before that, you left me out in the woods, bro. I'm dead for like a week. I'm, I, there's, I can't fend for myself, man. I've just lived this first class life my entire life. And I'm just like, all right, now it's time to step up and be a man. So that's just a side note, but definitely wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, man. You know, you strip all the, the social constructs down. You take money out of the picture. If we, be, if we were in a situation similar to what's going on overseas right now, there's a lot of folks that would be lost. A lot of people that would be lost because yeah. we live. We're fortunate enough to live in such a country where we don't have to worry about. Ideally, we don't have to worry about the same things others do. You know? Yeah, so it's, and and it's it's just crazy how we, since that's the case, we come up with these random problems that just don't actually exist. And the media feeds you all this bullshit. The government feeds you all this bullshit. No matter what side you're on, left or right, it's all the same. If you decide to play that game, you lose. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just trying to take your money. It's it's a pretty crazy ordeal that goes on. And the only thing that you can do is just build for yourself and build for your family and then help the others around you and create that spiderweb effect because change doesn't happen by you just immediately just trying to make this grand old thing 
that goes on, you have to start at the core, right? Start with your family and then start with your friends and then have them do that the same thing. That's how change really, you know, really starts to work. So what's, what's good with consistency wins? Talk about Renee Rodriguez that we just had on the webinar. Yeah. So that was, that was awesome, right? We had Renee Rodriguez on and I had the privilege of watching Renee speak on my birthday. I just, I thought about this the other day, every single one of my past three birthdays, this is just a testament to the growth that I've experienced. I've gone to an event. I've asked, uh, you know, for my birthday gift as a ticket to an event and the, the last event I went to, Grant Cardone was speaking, Bradley, Tim Grover, so I'm seeing all these big names. I'm like, yo, this is going to be sick. I went. It was awesome. And I actually went with Ryan Wilson, who we actually just dropped the last podcast with. And I'm like, we get there before. So we're like, if we're there early, we might stand out and somebody might come up to us, right? So I'm just sitting there. Nothing's happening. I'm just sitting on my phone and some massive stature of a human just hovers over me. He just looks at me. I'm just like, oh, hey, hey, what's going on, man? He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Renee Rodriguez. You know, nice to meet you. Um, what's your name? What do you do? All this stuff. And, you know, didn't put two and two together for a little bit, then saw him do that to the, you know, everyone that was there. I look up at the screen and Renee's one of the speakers for the day. I'm like, yo, that's so sick. Follow him on Instagram. Got a bunch of followers. Really loved what he was up to. This dude went on stage and blew everyone away was the most interactive speaker there. And like Tim Grover is one of my favorite humans on earth. Grant Cardone's great speaker, Bradley, all great speakers. Renee blew them all out of the water. And that's just a testament to how good Renee is, not how bad anyone else is. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I was like, okay, I like this guy. I DM'd him on Instagram, just just a simple, hey, I really loved what you did. Loved your ability to influence and teach a lot of the things I took a lot away from it. He's like, oh, hey man, really appreciate that. So that was just like a one touch point. Now he recognizes me if I ever reach out again. Right, that's that's a very key important thing. If you like that, bring value to someone just in a compliment. Now, a couple months later, I see that Renee is releasing a book, and it, the book's called Amplify Your Influence. Highly recommend getting it on Amazon. Now, I DM Renee and I say, "Hey, I love the fact that you're coming out with a book. I run a group that just so happens every quarter we have a book discussion, and we're actually looking for an author for our next book." And so he's like, "Hey, what's your number?" takes my number down and immediately calls me. We get on a really good call, network a little bit more, and we land a deal to where if I was able to get 40 people to buy his book, then he would come and do a webinar for us. We crushed that out of the water. He ended up being on the bestsellers list. He's still number two right behind Atomic Habits, which is very tough to break Atomic Habits. And he came on the webinar and we had the webinar last week. And wow, was it amazing. The first 20 minutes we spent doing uh, what's called PMZ, Pimp My Zoom, and this dude must have invested forty, fifty thousand dollars into his Zoom setup. He talked to us about the intricacies of Zoom and how to use it in this virtual world that we that we live in. How can you stand up different, right? Most of us, even high-ranking CEOs, just hop on their laptop or their phone, and it, shit just looks like trash. The quality of your sound, the quality of your video, all that stuff shows up different. Especially if you're a public speaker, how can you show up different than your competitors? And that's what he did. If anyone wants the interview. Um, the link to that, just let us know. We'll, we'll happily send that over. It was one of the best experiences that I've had. He kept us captivated for an hour and 15 minutes, right? Not even one person I felt got off video and hopped on their phone because everyone was just extracting so much value, man. Well said. Yeah, I was gonna, that was the only thing I was going to say was a lot of these webinars, you're multitasking. You're, you click in the webinar, you go do something else, listen a little bit. This guy was so captivating. There wasn't one person and there was probably 40 to 50 people on there. There wasn't one person that was 
not locked in, not completely focused for the full hour and five to 15 minutes or whatever he was, you know, on there for. Um, and, and, and like you said, tremendous value, little things you don't think about little things you don't think about. Yep. Like where, where do you position. put your hands? Where yeah. do you put your hands? You have an influence zone. You know, if your hands are out of the influence zone, you're not influencing people. There's a lot of little tips and yeah. tricks and nuances to build deeper relationships. And, you know, and it's, that it's, sounds it's, crazy. What you just said sounds crazy. If someone's just listening through audio, but when you actually see it in practice and you see him on the screen, actually show it, or you're looking at me right now and I'm talking with my hands in a certain position versus if I was down in a certain other place, like it, it, it visually makes a ton of sense. So again, like, like you said, uh, messages for, for, you know, free copy of the whole, of the whole hour. It was, it was well worth it. Well worth the time. Absolutely, man. And, and speaking of books, I know you and I were just, um, we were chatting about books right before we hopped on this podcast. And I know I want to be conscious of our time. We'll go another five minutes or so, but you just finished the compound effect, which was a book that arguably changed my life. It allowed mm-hmm. me, I did a time audit. And I was actually looking at my notes. We were sending some, some like previous notes to each other yesterday and I looked back like three years ago, I did an audit of my time, just realized how unproductive I was. Wow. It's pretty, pretty, pretty wild what happened in the last three years. Highly recommend if you're starting a growth journey or just at any point, document everything so you can look back on it because it's pretty fascinating. But I digress there. What were some takeaways from Compound Effects? It's a quick, easy read if you really want to hammer into it. And you just want to, you know, if you want to read 15, 20 pages a day, you'll be done in a couple of weeks. It took me two months because I, <laughs> I kind of piecemealed it. Um, it was one of those things I would, I would get to it when I, when I got around to it. And I wish I was a little more just, I wish I just plowed through it quicker, but regardless, I've uh, got all the way through it the other day. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess a couple takeaways is just being aware of the trash that's around you. When I say trash, I mean the news, the media, all this junk news that's not serving you. That's not helping you better yourself as a person. It's not helping you look at the world in the, in the proper light. Uh, to to excel at whatever you're trying to excel at, and then and then what the what the title of the book sounds like with the compound effect, right? It's just it's understanding the daily behaviors that are going to drive the bigger picture and doing them every single day, even if it is the mundane pieces of of things. And and the last piece uh, that that ta- that it talks about in the book is just always going a little bit extra above the expectation, and and doing that a little in in every single area of your life. Right, if you down to just how you close a door and making your bed in the morning, down to how you how you wash the dishes, just and everything that you do in life, even if it's in the smaller things, just going that extra little bit for everything you do compounds over time, and it ends up diversifying you from everybody else. Because we live in a world of mediocrity, right? We live in a world of mediocrity where everybody shows up, you know, right on the dot or five minutes late, mm-hmm. right? Everybody does the least amount of work to get the most money. Right. So just going that extra mile is kind of my biggest takeaway for everything you do. It's easier said than done though, right? Most people say they want to go that extra mile. They say they want success, higher income, but they're not willing to actually consistently do it, you know? Yeah. And side note, here's a little secret. Consistency wins is basically on the backbone of that book. Yeah. The inception of consistency wins comes from a combination of that um, and atomic habits and, you know, our personal experiences. And it's so wild, man. It's one of, one of the most game-changing books in my life. And that's where literally to your point, my tattoo on my forum says on the top of it, go one more. And then on the bottom of it, consistency wins, right? How can I go one more in all areas of my life? Just one little extra thing. And how can I be consistent in doing that? And it's a reminder for me all the time. And to to piggyback off that, one of the books that I just read was arguably the most powerful book I've ever read just from a story standpoint and what the human body is capable of. It's a book called Endurance. 
And it talks about the journey of this man, Ernest Shackleton. And Ernest Shackleton led 27 other men on a expedition in the early 1900s through the Antarctic. And no one had ever done that before. So he was trying to be the first person to do this. And he funded the whole thing, got all the money involved and got the, the a sick ship. A couple months go by on their journey and they get stuck into ice. And so they winter the boat, boat stuck on ice for like five months. And they're just like chilling for a little bit. And then eventually they realize like, okay, like this boat is not coming out. And the crazy thing is they're, they're 400 yards away from open water. And they see it, but they, they, can't, they can't do anything about it because the ice is like 18 meters deep. And so they're just stuck. Eventually, he, he makes the call to abandon ship. The ship goes underwater, so they lose their ship. Now, there's no technology. So they're, they're literally just, uh, you know, they're camping on these ice flows. And eventually, he's like, all right, we got to do something. So they build three boats, which is great. They build three boats. And they start sledging them across all these ice flows because they're they have one guy named Worsley who is just like this amazing navigator, and he can understand any position they are just based on where the stars are or where the sun is, which is unreal. And so they eventually start sledging these boats. They have um, you know parties of dogs that are that are pushing these things and humans, and a lot of these people are you know they're going severely hungry. They haven't changed their clothes in months, and like a year goes by, and they're consistently trying to hop from flow to flow to find open water. Now they can't get to open water and they have to consistently move these boats around because of the fact that you need the boats for eventually when you get to open water or else you're going to die, right? And so eventually it gets to a point where the, the situation's not getting any better. They have to even at this point kill the dogs for food. Like they're eating penguin dogs and like some days not eating anything. And Shackleton wouldn't allow them to kill an abundance of penguins and seals because that would have allowed them to think that there was, uh, you know, that they were in treachery, right? He, that, that would allow them to think that, hey, we need to store up because we're in a bad situation. The mindset was, we're going to get out of this no matter what. Mm. Eventually, they found open water, just so happens to be in, in the Drake Passage, which is the stormiest oceans in the world. And they're going up 50-foot waves and 22-foot boats, and they keep having to park on ice flows, and they can't find these islands. These guys are rowing for days at a time, sleeping on the boat for six days at a time, no food, barely any water because all the water's salty. And then they finally land on an island and start camping there. The island just so happens to be a blizzard pretty much every day. And so they have nothing to do besides just sit in their tents. And Shacklin's is like, all right, we made it to this island. Now I got to go back and find help. So he takes six other men and goes, I think it's like 450 or 600 miles, something around there in this 27 foot boat on the Drake Passage, which is the, the, the stormiest waters in the world. So it's like, a 0.01 chance of surviving. And at so many points, they thought they were going to die and they made it to a little small island that no one's ever been on. Now they can't even get across the island because the island is just so mountainous with all these ice and bad weather. They somehow find a way to navigate at the top of a mountain. And the only way to get down to this whaling station where people actually were, was, was actually sliding down this mountain. And he didn't know what was going to happen at the end of this, of sliding down this mountain. And they did it anyway. And they survived, was able to then get these whalers to compile a boat. And he went and go picked up everyone. After two and a half years of living like literally the craziest conditions anyone's ever lived, not one of them died. Not one of them. One person wow. had a heart attack. One person lost his leg. So many things of adversity. And these people never lost faith. 
And I know that was a really long-winded story to a short little thing, but like the story is just so incredible when you realize yeah. like what humans are capable of and how well this man had the ability to lead and how much influence he had over these men with such unwavering confidence that they were going to be okay. I did a workout yesterday in, in dedication to Shackleton. Like I was literally no, no doubt, no joke. And you can watch videos on this stuff or read the book endurance. I, I get through this, this workout and like midway through, I'm like, fuck, this is tough. And I'm just like, you know, like what would Shackleton do? Like these guys went through so much. And when you read stories like this, that puts so many things into perspective. Cause you're like, I'm not on a boat in the middle of the Antarctic. I have the privilege of being in a really beautiful state of the art gym working out, you know? Mm -hmm. So once you put those things in perspective, life just gets so much better. So is that a true, that's a true story. Everything is factually wow. true from like journals of the men and, you know, photos and stuff. And when did it take place? When did you say it took place? 1914, 1915. Oh shit. Yeah. So you had maybe a compass and a, and a, and, a, and like a navigation, a half-assed yeah. map, a half-assed map. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's this, there was one guy that was dedicated to taking pictures and videos of it. So there are some wow. pictures and videos. Wow. Um, they call Shackleton like one of the top five leaders to ever live. Well, cause it's like, it's like castaway subtracted by a hundred years with no technology with yep. more than just one person, which I don't know, I guess, I don't know. Would you rather be stranded by yourself or stranded with a bunch of people? I guess I'd rather be stranded with a bunch of people. Right? Yeah. hundred percent. These guys, these guys like what, what, and that's the yeah. coolest thing is that like, Sometimes it's a downside to be stranded with a bunch of people because you have all these different personalities. That's what I was. Have, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. but when yeah. you have the leadership like he, like he was, that keeps a band together. And right. you know, he didn't lead by fear. The coolest thing was to see every new step they made, any dangerous thing. He was always at the front of the pack, always the first one to take the dangerous step. Always like never took any extra rations. Would scream at the the chef if he gave him any extra food because he was leader. He didn't want to feel that way anyway because. Uh, he didn't want to gather any resentment in there. Mm. So it was, uh, you know, one of the most compelling stories, actually, you know, the most compelling story I've ever heard, honestly. Worth a read. What's the book? What's the book called? The book is called Endurance. It's like 400 pages, but I zoomed through it. Once, once you get through the first couple chapters of just like the setting the story, it just gets so enticing and you nice. can't put it down. Nice. Nice. But yeah, I think, I think we might've went over our time there, but I definitely wanted to share because I think some of the recommendations that we just talked about, those are life-changing things. And so when you open your perspective up to these things, you know, your life is going to change. It's just the truth. Now, most people are going to listen to this podcast and say, wow, this was a good podcast. I took away a lot. But if you didn't actually take action of rather reading one of the things we recommended, sharing it to someone, or like going over this podcast again, taking notes, you're not, you're not doing anything to help your life. It's cool that you're listening. We appreciate your support. But what we really want to do is eventually get those messages of saying, Hey, I listened to this and I took action and it worked. Thank you. That's the most gratifying thing. For right. Me. Go implement it. Go take action. That's it. Right. Separate yourself. I love you guys. Anything else you want to say? Not at all. Awesome. Now that's the perfect timing because my dog's about to start barking. So <laughs> thanks guys for, uh, for listening. If you guys are with us still, you're a real one. We love you and chat next week.